Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Uh, this is the debut of our off-season coverage. We are here to talk about the news that the Titans hired Arthur Smith as their new offensive coordinator. We will also go through and grade each positional group on the Titans roster. And as we close out, we will give you a, a handful of prospects to keep an eye on at this weekend's Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. But before we get into any of that, a short apology from me. We, we recorded a recap of the Titans-Colts Sunday night game where Gabbert played, and it was all good and dandy, and it was a fine episode. I just forgot to upload it. And I don't know. It's funny because I, I edit and upload the episodes, and Matthias is the one who, who controls the social media output. It's like two weeks later, he sends me a message. He's like, did I just forget to tweet it out? And I'm like, oh, crap. I never uploaded the episode. So we didn't forget, um, but that exists maybe somewhere on my computer. Anyway, let's hop into the, the pressing news, which is uh, Arthur Smith being hired as offensive coordinator. Uh, instant thoughts. Uh, I I don't I don't really think I have any I I, I don't know really what to what to go on because yeah. he he does he doesn't have play calling experience um and really he's only been a position coach for most of his career so it, I don't know exactly what to think of the hire um but ev- everything uh, that people but players and coaches have been saying about him is really positive um so so that that's good. Uh, you never want to want to hear bad things about about your new offensive coordinator. Um, uh, I guess it's good to have some continuity. I mean, but but we'll see what he draws up. Um, he's going to have a, a good amount of control over what the offense is going to look like because Vrabel is more a defensive minded coach. Um, so he's kind of just given the keys over to, uh, to over to Smith. So uh, we'll see what he draws up. Uh, there's both good and bad news from him being uh, on on this staff for so long. Um, the good news is that he's seen um, a lot of 
a, a lot of what the uh, offenses have gone through um, with, under Wisenhunt, under Malarkey, um, and with LaFleur last year. Uh, so he's seen a lot of the things that haven't worked, um, and he knows a lot of the players personally, and, and he knows how probably to get the best out of them. Um, but the bad news is also that he's that he's been on the staff um, under a lot of really bad offenses. So um, we'll see if he can take the best out of out of them uh, and el- eliminate a lot of the weaknesses that uh, that we saw over the years. I mean, initially I was pretty upset about it. I just I don't know. It just feels so uninspired. And, you know, the more people have talked about it and kind of rationalized it, it's, it makes sense. You know, people who've worked with him go out of their way to speak up about it. Uh, Michael Ruse tweeted, tweeted something about it, and I don't think he's tweeted about many moves that the Titans have made at all. Like, you know, people are going out of – Sean Smith, a defensive tackle for us for a long time, uh, said he was going to be a head coach in three years. So, I mean – People who he didn't directly coach over have a ton of respect for him and, you know, are going out of their way to tweet about him, which is not what I expected to see. Um, so I'm a little bit more optimistic than I was uh, when, when it was announced. But, I mean, it's not it's, – it's weird because you're getting a tight ends coach who's also pretty heavily leaning towards offensive line because – he coached it for a little while, and I think he played it in college uh, at Memphis. Maybe at, that that may be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But um, he's coached a little of both in the NFL, and that's kind of his background. And you're asking him to run. And Vrabel said this today that you know they're going for continuity and kind of the same offense that they ran last year. So you're asking him to run this Kubiak you know, McVeigh, this naked bootleg stuff, a lot of screens, which doesn't traditionally go with the kind of mentality that I would imagine he has. Now, maybe he's moldable and maybe, and that would be great. You know, maybe he can implement some of uh, the malarkey offense that worked and take out the dumb tight end, you know, sweep plays and all that kind of stuff and kind of find what works and what's worked over the past and piece it together correctly because he's been there. But I'm afraid they're going to try to take what he's good at. And instead of doing that, that they're going to say, well, why don't we focus more on just making sure that we're using the same playbook from last year. And it feels a little bit like a round peg square hole situation to me. Um, But at the end of the day, He's got all the respect to the players. They're going to buy in. They're going to do what he says, which is half the battle in all this. So I'm a little bit more optimistic, but I would say I'm skeptical in general. It's interesting that you use the word uh, uninspired because that's the word I remember a lot of people describing the Mike Malarkey hire with. Uh, And that worked out, right? He completely changed and altered the culture and really kind of bridged the gap that was there between uh, the dreadful Ken Wisenhunt years and then uh, what ended up happening this past year with Mike Vrabel. Uh, I think the biggest thing about this is, and I wrote about this this morning, is that this move shows that more than anything else, the Titans value, at least offensively this season, getting a look at Marcus Mariota with maximum comfort 
He's going to have better weapons because they're going to go out in free agency and they're going to get somebody. And and if they don't, I'm going to say it now, fans, you have a right to to be uh, angry about that. Usually I, I think it's ridiculous to get mad about free agency, but if they don't get someone in free agency, you got a right to be mad about that. So he's going to have better weapons. He's going to have Delaney Walker back, and he's going to have a second year in this non-archaic offense, and he's going to have a, a play caller that he's comfortable with. If it doesn't work this year – there's just no more excuses to be made. And I think the Titans are probably pretty smart for putting themselves and their quarterback in that situation. Yeah, you didn't want to do another or go through another offensive upheaval, um, especially since, since this is Mariota's fifth offensive coordinator, I think, um, in five years. So just especially considering this is Mariota's last year under contract, um, you kind of just want to see him um, with some familiarity uh, with a coach who he's been around for every year of his career. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know about the I don't know about this being an uninspired hiring. Um, I mean, well, what is what is an inspired hiring? I don't even know what that is. I, I mean, I guess Lafleur was uh, last year. Um, he was kind of a big name, uh, a name a lot of people wanted. Um, and I mean, the offense looked better at times, but it really wasn't all that great. Um, so I, I don't know that this isn't, uh, the best option instead of, uh, going, going big for, for a bigger name, um, that's out there. Yeah, it definitely seems, and I guess this is what I mean when I say an inspire, it definitely seems like they picked a guy who they thought for sure would stay here for this year and maybe ne- and for sure next year. Mm-hmm. Like a guy that they would promote a year early and, you know, trust that the rest of the league wouldn't take a chance on him yet. And, you know, we don't know what he's going to call. We've never, we have no body of work to judge him once. So we don't know if he's good or bad, but it feels like they picked somebody in-house who didn't have a lot of buzz around him because if they picked... Mike Kafka from uh, Kansas City, who's you know poised to be the next offensive coordinator there as soon as their current offensive coordinator leaves for a head coaching job. Like it feels like they picked somebody that they didn't want to get poached next year, and I just I don't like that mentality. Like you can't hire people because you're scared that uh, somebody's going to take them in a year. Like even if you know they're maybe not the best coach for you, which is what I felt coming out that that's what this move was. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing to be wrong and I hope I am. And hopefully all this, you know, support and the fact that John Robinson and I guess Mike Vrabel too, don't have a track record of hiring bad coaches that, you know, they have a very high floor on who they've hired in the past. So, I mean, maybe all that adds together to he's better than I'm thinking and he'll turn out better. But it just uninspiring to me is something where it's like, you don't want to hire somebody who's too big of a name because you're afraid they're going to be too successful and be a head coach next year. Yeah. Um, before we close out this topic, can someone please explain to me why I saw gobs of Titans fans Begging for John Filippo. <laughs> Last year it might have made sense because, you know, hot quarterback coach, young guy, got Carson Wentz and Nick Foles in a good place. 
But this dude is coming off of a season where I understand the mechanics with with Mike Zimmer and the 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 issue there. But this guy was so unfit, at least in Zimmer's eyes, to be a play caller that this young, up-and-coming guy who pretty closely resembles a lot of these guys being hired as head coaches, such as Zach Taylor of the Los Angeles Rams, he was so unfit that he was fired halfway through his first season as a play caller. And that's the guy you wanted? Like, that never clicked with me. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I kind of fell into the trap last offseason. Um, just well, because you know, of the work. Last year, Go ahead. I mean, I thought it was going to be a home run for the Vikings. I think we all did. But it didn't work yeah. out. And obviously play calling is different than, than coaching itself. And some guys just aren't good play callers. And clearly he isn't right now. Uh, okay, so I think the big knock on him was that he didn't run the ball enough. And that feels like a Mike Zimmer thing. Like That feels like... He wasn't. I have run- a hard time believing that an offensive coordinator gets fired just because he didn't run the ball enough. Like, just tell the dude to run the ball more. Don't fire him. I, I mean, I don't he's going to have to run the ball all the time in Jacksonville. I could tell you that. Yeah, much. like that's that's, <laughs> that's the thing a nightmare. Is find out. <laughs> no, no weapons. You've got a running back who. That's just a weird situation with Fournette about the rescinding his guarantee. And mm-hmm. not only do you have no weapons, and not only do you really not have a running game, who in the world is the quarterback going to be? It's not going to be Bortles. You also don't have any money. So, like, you don't have any way to really yeah, fix Yeah, you, you can't just go, like, sign a – like, say Denver wants to move on from Case Keenum and go – you can't just, like, sign Case Keenum because you don't have the money. Yeah. I mean, every, everybody talks about, you know, they're going to sign Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Or Nick or, Foles. Yeah, Foles. or they're going to sign Nick Foles. And it's like – yeah, like maybe they could, like they could cut two or three players and have twenty million dollars of cap space to pay Nick Foles, which is what it would take. And even probably then, the Eagles wouldn't let him go. They would just cut a few of their overpaid players and keep him on the roster because he's been a great backup for him and he's won them a Super Bowl. So, I mean, you would have to trade and also have the cap space for this. So, I mean. It's just a nightmare. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's one of those things that they've screwed themselves, and we saw them doing it for years, and everybody kept praising how aggressive they were, and not, you know, it's like they were going full speed off a half-completed bridge. Like, they were so excited about the ride that they didn't realize what was going to happen at the end, and then now everybody's talking about this because they haven't looked at the cap, and next year all we're going to hear is how badly they managed this the last three years, even though the same people were hyping them up as innovators and a great owner and a great team structure and all. It's just, it's so poorly reported and covered that, uh, you know, we're going to see the media turn on Jacksonville and make them a laughingstock quick. But, I mean, it's it's them who pumped them up as these world beaters who are making all the great – I mean, nothing is better – no example is better than ESPN and NFL Network praising Jacksonville for drafting Taven Bryant in the first round last year when he <laughs> played like 30 snaps this year. He, he did nothing. And all they could talk about was how – Will, oh, BPA, man, best player available. Yeah, best player he available. He wasn't. He wasn't even good. <laughs> no, he was never good. He was – he was a white pass rusher who had a big body, and yep. they swore he was J.J. Watt. They swore that the Jag- Jaguars just got the next J.J. Watt. Everybody was like, 
some people I talked to in the National Football League thought that he was going to go top five or top ten, which is absolute garbage. That never happened. That was people pumping up their own scouting reports and trying to get you know money for this agent that was. I mean, it was all so asinine. But again, they'd been saying stuff for a long time. They reported it like they were correct, and then they'll never talk about it again. Yeah. Can we just? I just I can't. I every time I look at their their salary cap table, it is just shocking. Their their estimated cap space actually went down since the last time I checked. They were at they were at negative seven point six million last time I checked, and now they're at negative ten point one million. What? I, I don't know what happened. Oh, they signed that they signed some safety or something to a to a deal that they they extend gave them a one year extension or something. Oh. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I don't know what the hell they're doing, but yeah. they are ten million dollars under the cap, and they if they cut anyone, they're gonna take a huge penalty. They can't cut Bortles; it's a sixteen million dollar penalty. Oh, good lord! Uh, even if they even if they cut Malik Jackson, they're like barely over the over the cap. So they are. It is it is hilarious. I think you and start with like, Tayshawn like, Gibson and Malik Jackson and go from there. Yeah, I th- probably and and Hyde also. I don't think he has a dead cap hit. Yeah, but anyway, not to get let's get back to the tight. I think that was a necessary tangent to get off on. But <laughs> back back to the Titans. Let's move on to our uh, grading of the roster. So how I think we'll do this, and this was an idea that Will kind of suggested, was we we go through each of the position groups. We discuss, you know, what's there, what needs to be there heading into next season, and we we each give it a letter grade. Um, start at quarterback. Uh, currently on the roster, you have Marcus Mariota and uh, and Blaine Gabbert. Um, neither one is scheduled to be a free agent, so if you want either one of them, you got both of them heading into next season. What's there, and what's left to be desired? Um, are we just grading like currently how we feel about them? Yeah, I don't want to get off on like a Mariota's bad tangent or anything like okay. that. But I'll give him I'll give him a solid C plus. Mariota's kind of holding it down because Gabbert's a, a whopping F. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but he's, he's he's more like a D D plus. Um, it, this was a, another frustrating season for Mariota, but I I don't know. The frustrations are more so that he can't stay healthy. So I don't exactly know how to grade him, um, and especially just this constant overturning of the offense is really making it hard for me to evaluate him. Uh, and, and I'm getting more increasingly concerned uh, that we're not going to be able to evaluate him um, as a true NFL uh, quality quarterback until he's possibly on another team because I don't know what's going to happen this season. Uh, we'll see what Arthur Smith can draw up. But if Mariota can't stay healthy again this season, then we're going to have some some serious serious questions that, that need to be answered. Yeah, C-plus is the perfect. That's, that's what, exactly what I was thinking. You've got the guy who you want to lead you. In, if, if everything works out, if he's healthy, if you know they get a good offense, I mean, he can be a – very good quarterback in the NFL. Like I, I think we've talked about it before. Like we don't know where his top end is because he's never had a stretch where he was really good for a really long time. And every time he starts to kind of trend in the right direction, he gets an injury. So it's so hard to figure out what he is and what he would be without the injuries. So 
I mean, I would imagine he would be somewhere around a B-plus by himself, like if he was healthy. Uh, I mean, he's shown that at the end of games, just finding ways to win, whether he's got to run. We, we know about Mariota. Um, and then Gabbert is just like, he's better than Matt Castle. And if you can keep another team to 14 points, there's a chance that he can beat him, which is, like I said, which is like 10 more points than I would give Matt Castle. But anything other than that, and you're really going to have to pull something like the fake punt for a touchdown or the pick six that we got we got against the Colts. Like You're going to have to find a defensive or special team score because I think he can march down the field maybe twice. And that's that's about all you're going to get out of him. But he does have that ability. So I don't think he's the absolute worst backup in the NFL. But he's not he's not the guy you want backing up Mariota. He's the guy you want backing up Tom Brady. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think you got to go get Tyrod Taylor. I just think that's such a good potential fit at backup quarterback. And I think you leave Gabbard on the roster for camp, and that gives you some flexibility if you want to carry three. He's there. If you don't, you know, he's not there. Um, so, so yeah, that's what I'll say about that. I kind of agree with Matias. So I'll give it a C plus just because of the questions surrounding Mariota and the ineptitude that's repeatedly been proven of Gabbert. Moving on to the running back position, there's three guys there right now. Derek Henry, Deion Lewis, and David Fluellen. It's hashtag. It's, it's flu season. Um what do you guys think about that group? Is he, is Fluellen signed? I oh, he might be a free sure. agent. Let, let me check. I think McNichols is the only one that's is the third one that's signed. Who'd you say? McNichols. Yeah, that's what I have on our lads. That's a spoiler yeah. for everybody out there. I've got the roster pulled up on our lads to make sure it's up to date. Okay. So with that being the Anyways. case. It doesn't matter. Fluellen was was wasn't going to factor into my grade anyway. <laughs> well, he did look okay when before he got hurt this season. Yeah, yeah. that is true. But all right, well, whatever. Uh, I'll give I'll give the position group a B, uh, just because Derrick Henry looked like a top ten running back in the league over the over the the latter part of the season. Uh, Deion Lewis w- was pretty bad all season. Uh, I'm a little concerned about him um, as a pure running back, but he, he was okay um, in in the screen game and just uh, as a pass blocker and pass catcher. Uh, I think he could still be a good complement. Uh, the problem is we're paying him a, a good amount for what a running back usually makes uh, in the NFL. So uh, I've seen I've seen a couple of people uh, ponder whether he'll even be on the roster um, by the time uh, by by this next season. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I, I don't think they're going to give up on him just yet. But, yeah, he really was not good at, as a runner. But Henry looked fantastic. Uh, I know we say this all the time. If he could just string this together uh, for a whole season, um, he, he kind of did. I mean, since, since no, the, the, the first part of the season uh, was, was not good. He, he was not good. And whatever anyone wants to tell you uh, that he just needed more carries, uh, that's not true. He got 18 carries against the Texans. He got 18 carries against the Jaguars, and, and he didn't play well. That's just, he even admitted it himself. So I don't know where that narrative came from. Uh, but ever since that bye week, he just really just he had a lot of confidence. Uh, he was following his blocks. He was being patient, uh, but he was also hitting the hole just with 
with aggression, which is something that we haven't seen him do consistently before. Um, and over the last four weeks, he was a guy that you could build your entire offense around. Um, and, and something which I didn't think I would say in 2019 because the NFL has become so pass-happy. Uh, but we've seen what the Patriots have done uh, in the playoffs. Uh, they kind of centered their entire offense around the running game, uh, especially with Sonny Michelle back there. Um, and they're, they've just been mauling teams on the ground. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Henry be probably the main focal point of the team in 2019. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's tough because Derrick Henry is so much different when he decides he wants to be aggressive early and punish people because everything, all the finesse stuff he wants to do opens up later. It's just, he's got to be that bully, you know, junkyard dog, mean dude for the first, at least the first quarter. But I mean, is he going to do that next year? I have no idea. The first, so I charted out, not charted, but I, I looked at his stats on the first four games from last year. He had 54 carries in four games. That's not nothing, but he had 54 carries for 163 yards. That's three yards per carry. And I mean, that's, that's not great. Like, it, it's, it's just bad. It's actually yeah, bad. It's, yeah, you can't, you cannot do that. Like, for everybody who just was like, you know, you just got to give him more carries. No, he had carries. He wasn't doing anything with them. So everybody who pumps that narrative is just they, – they've got this selective memory where they're remembering the highlights of – really what they remember is he should have had an 80-yard touchdown run versus Miami, and then they don't remember anything until San Diego. So – or I guess – sorry, L.A., the Chargers – like that that's that's really what they remember is they're like you know he was really doing better earlier it's like yeah around week eight and nine or whatever like it, it, it's not like he was this guy who just was unfortunately not getting enough touches he was actively hurting the team I mean he was putting the Titans in second and nine and third and eights and all these terrible positions because he would just fall down so if it's that guy and Deion Lewis, then this is a D minus. Yeah. But if it's the guy we saw at the end of the year in December, then, I mean, he's got to be an A running back because, I mean, he would have blown past the record for uh, the record in the NFL with how he was doing in that last season or last month of the season. So I, I guess I give him a B because I'm going to trust what I just saw and the fact that we have an offensive coordinator who should know how to get that out of him. But, I mean, every other I – mean, I don't know that Deion Lewis is more than a dude. Like, he just didn't yeah, look – Yeah, I'm kind of tending to agree with that idea. Yeah, Not that I, mean, I do agree, but I see where you're headed. Well, Especially so, after seeing Rex Burkhead just yeah. slotting into the Patriot system and just churning up yards. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, so I think at the end of the day I give this – I probably give it just a straight-up C just because – I honestly don't think Deion Lewis will be on the team next year. We talked about it earlier. If you cut Blaine Gabbert and Deion Lewis, you get $5 million in cap space. They're not going to cut Deion Lewis. Dude, it, you hey, might. Like, they, they didn't use him towards well, the uh, end. My question is, if you cut him, number one, like, I don't believe in just cutting players to free up cap space because unless you're like the Jaguars and actually need it, what's the point? Like, these people who are like, you know – you know, well, cutting this player would free up $5 million that you could use on something else. Well, that makes sense if the Titans plan on only being like $5 million away from the, the cap. So, like, 
are you going to find someone better either through the draft or signing another free agent? Because Henry can't play every snap. I That's mean, true. he can't, but so, okay. for uh, So for cutting Deion Lewis, you get $4 million roughly, just without Blaine Gabbert in there. That's how much money Mark Ingram's making, and he's going to be a free agent this year. Would you rather sign Mark Ingram to the same deal he was making with the Saints, or would you I rather— I know that the Titans would want Mark Ingram. I love Mark Ingram as a player, but like, they need someone to do what they wanted Deion Lewis to do. No, they just need to not focus on throwing the ball to the running back with a very specific running back because everybody keys on that. They need guys who are going to pound up the middle and they can run real hard play actions. And then if they want to dump it off to somebody, dump it off to a tight end or give it to Derrick Henry. I mean, he's he's not a great receiver, but if you get him in space and nobody's covering him, then you've, you've got something. So I, I don't know. I just It seems so obvious what we were going to do when Deion Lewis came on the field on third downs and when Derrick Henry was on the field, that it really completely took me out of the hole having two guys who can do two things. Because Deion Lewis at the end, at the end of last year could not run very well, and Derrick Henry was doing a little bit of everything well, and it seemed like they were taking him out just to give Deion Lewis a certain number of touches, and that, that was not very fun to watch. I give him a B-. minus. Henry looked great. Lewis, yeah. nah. That's yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, receivers and tight ends. If, if Ooh, pairing them together. Okay. Yeah, because I mean they're all pass catchers. Sure. Um, there you've got guys: uh, Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor, Tajay Sharp, Darius Jennings, Will's best friend Cam Batson. Uh, I just puked. I, I'm puking as you're reading this list. Delaney Walker, Luke Stalker. Anthony Ferkser, and uh, Jonu Smith. I don't think I missed anybody's name. Uh, Did you say Pruitt? Oh, yeah, Michael Pruitt. Um, Good player. That's a – I don't know. The thing about this group, I'll say to kind of introduce, is there's some good – Corey Davis, Delaney Walker. There's some question marks, Jonu Smith, Anthony Ferkser, and there's some – Pretty big disappointments. Tajay Sharp, Taewon Taylor. Uh, I I don't even know what great. I, I'm between a C and a C plus. Um, I think I'm gonna go lean C plus, just because Corey Davis really looked like a number one receiver for a lot of this past season. Uh, because we're getting Delaney Walker, who's a top three, top five tight end in the league. We're gonna get him back next year. Uh, hopefully, fully healthy. He, even though he's older, um, he he he's still he's still kind of in the prime of his career. Uh, John, you showed some development, but uh, the jury's still kind of out on him. I like Ferkser. I thought Pruitt did a, a fantastic job um, filling in for both Johnu and Delaney. Uh, he was really good as a run blocker and, and kind of came on as a pass catcher later later in the season. Uh, but the receiving group is just. If, if the tight end, if we were just grading the receiving group, I, I would have been like a D minus because <laughs> there is just no one. There's no one that can do anything. Uh, Tajay Sharp, okay, he can catch the ball if it's thrown right to him uh, and there's no one around him. That, that's fine. I, I mean, you need those types of players on your team. Um, but like, what, what's the ceiling there? You know, there, there's just, there's just no, 
no run after the catch ability um and nothing like that um Taewon, how many how many times has have we seen him drop a crucial pass uh he he gets injured rather often he just can't seem to put it all together uh and it's really frustrating because we all kind of hi- had high hopes for him because he was an unbelievable receiver in college uh we traded up for him uh and we thought he was going to be that explosive down the field guy and also a guy that can that can do um a lot in in the intermediate area and the only thing he seems to be good at is getting open deep uh for every now and then but sometimes he drops those passes uh, and he's okay in the screen game. He he's he's pretty pretty good at that. Um, but that's just that's a number three, number four receiver, um, and that's not a guy you can count on consistently. Uh, and the rest are just they're just guys. I mean, Darius Jennings is a great kick returner, um, so he he'll stick. That's fine. And Batson, um, yeah, I, I I'm on the I'm on the Will Lomas Batson hate wagon at this point because that that punt return was just. I don't know, man. Yeah. That was well, awful. Adoree had some stinkers too. Will, before you before you take over this topic, I want to ask you a question. Do you think the Titans? Because I've talked to people that I respect that have said this. Do you think it's time to just okay? We're going to move on from Tajay Sharp and Taewon Taylor. Forget about them. They'll still be on the roster, but we're going to find someone to replace them because they're not what we thought they would be. Is that the Titans' mindset, or should it be? I mean, the Titans' mindset a wide receiver should be, we have one. Like, we have, and this will factor into my grades later, is we have the hardest thing to find, which is a wide receiver that can win at every level, who's got the body, and who's got the kind of finer points of route running and the athleticism required to do that. We've got a number one receiver in Corey Davis. Everybody else is off the table until they earn a job at training camp. Like, that, that should be their mindset. You can't, you can't save spots. I guess uh, when you're building out your starting offense, you can't save spots for guys who catch 500 yards a year. Like because that's not what you want. Like you want better players than that. So I mean, my answer to that is the the Titans should view their entire wide receiver position as Corey Davis and these guys who are going to compete for jobs in 2019. Um, that's what I say about that. Uh, one thing I, w- I was going to say: Who do we think is a better receiver, Anthony Ferkser or Tajay Sharp? Tajay Sharp. Are you Me? sure? Are you yeah, sure? Are you sure? Because are you sure? I mean, Ferkser is nineteen of twenty in terms of targets or receptions per target. Like he's made some pretty incredible catches where he's ju- you know been jumping and made borderline one-handed catches. I I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, if I was trying to throw to somebody and it was third and ten, and I had two guys running eleven yard routes, I would throw to Ferkser and not Tajay Sharp because I don't think they're necessarily there's a big speed difference. I, I just I, I don't know. Um, but that's that's not the question. That was just something that popped in my head while we were talking about this. Um, I'm gonna actually I, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic about this, and I'll explain why. Like I said, um, I'm gonna give it a B minus. Uh, a pass catcher position because at tight end I think you have everything you could want. Like I agree with that. Yeah, like sure, like you could want like a TJ Hawkinson in the draft who I think is like a Travis Kelsey type player or George Kittle. Like you can want an all pro player, but all pros change almost every year. Like it you well, can't, that's Delaney Walker. 
Yeah, I mean, that, and that is Delaney Walker. But I'm, I'm saying, like, you could want a younger – like, the big thing on Delaney Walker is his age. I, I fully – and I am not counting Delaney Walker out at all. Like, I think he's going to come back, and I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be exactly what he was before, and we'll be happy to have him. And he'll remind everybody why he was so important to this offense last year. I just think he's that kind of player. But people that want to knock the tight end position want – something different and what they want is one of those younger guys but like i said you know you can't it's it's almost like trying to get lightning in a bottle like you can't find a guy who's going to be the perfect replacement because everybody thought that eric ebron was the next you know vertical wide receiver and it took him like six years to have one good season and he didn't even do it with the team that drafted him so i think you've got everything you want at the tight end position you've got an outstanding player in delaney walker You've got a guy who is athletic enough to do things that most other tight ends can't, like wheel routes and all that kind of stuff. Like the the big long touchdown he had versus Tex, uh, versus the Texans where he just essentially caught a little flip pass and then just took it for 60 yards up the scene. Uh, you know, I think Jonu can do that. Ferkser is somebody I think who's a developmental, like, receiving tight end and then you've got stalker who can line up in the backfield he can line up in line he's just an extra blocker who can also kind of catch so i think you've got everything you want there and at wide receiver you've got the hardest thing to find which is a true number one receiver so what you have left is you need to find the counter punch at wide receiver and you know whether that's a speed guy or a possession guy or something like that like that's up for debate but really i mean i think Going into next year, if everybody's healthy and you add one more piece at wide receiver, you should have a few options to throw it to. And guys like Taewon Taylor and Tajay Sharp should kind of have to be hungry at the bottom of the depth chart and have to push and really make themselves better than what they have been the last two years or three years in uh, Taewon's or in uh, Tajay's case. But you should want them to be pushing as hard as they can to be better than that. And you can't kind of just say that's enough, which is what I'm afraid the message will be if they don't add anybody at wide receiver. So a B minus, I think they could stand one really good playmaker to pull them into a solid B or a minus or anything like that. But people who, you know, are going to rate this tight end position lower or talk about needing to draft a tight end are forgetting how good Delaney Walker is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'll mm-hmm. go C plus with this group because I like the tight ends. I really don't like the receivers. I like Corey Davis. There's yeah. a lot of nothing behind him. Yep. Moving, yep. On to the, moving on to the offensive line. This is an Oof. interesting one. I think, I think you guys know how I feel, which is Conklin kicks to right guard. Kelly stays at right tackle. Lawan moves to left tackle and you draft someone to replace either Spain or Jones. It's a rough group, though. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. I wish they would do that. I don't know if they will. Um, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, in, in run blocking, they started horribly, and then once Derrick Henry started getting going, a lot of it was due to the offensive line. Uh, I thought they, they blocked very well in the run game. Uh, in the past game, they struggled pretty much all year, uh, but I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to make of this group because, in, ter- in terms of QB hits, uh, and I know this isn't like 
a very analytical answer because a, a lot has to do with Mariota being in the pocket or, or evading hits or evading sacks. Um, they give up the fifth fewest uh, quarterback hits in the entire league. Um, but in terms of sacks, they gave up the 11th most. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's like a really weird dichotomy be, between that. And I don't know if they were really as as bad as those sack numbers suggest. Um, but th- there were times where they were just getting they were pretty just bad. beat. Yeah, they, they were they were getting beat off off the snap pretty often, particularly uh, Conklin for a lot of the season. He just never looked right. Um, Klein, Klein is I'm sorry, Klein is awful. He yep. he was not good all season. Uh, I've been on that train for a long time now. Yeah, he he was terrible. Uh, Spain was very hit or miss, but I, I thought he was better than Jones for the most part throughout the season. Uh, so I, I think Jones and or Klein. Um, both need to be replaced. Uh, although when Jones kicked, uh, I think it was left guard. I, I think when Jones kicked the left guard, and I think Levin came in at center, uh, the offensive line did look a little better. So maybe Jones going to one of the guard positions is um, is one of those options. But it, it, it's become pretty clear that that they're they're a liability, and we probably have to attack it in the offseason, which sucks because I thought we were going into the, into 2018 finally able to count on an offensive line and not have to. Uh, to waste capital on them, but it, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen this offseason. Yeah. Okay. So here, here's how I'm going to grade this is I'm going to grade this off what they should do. Uh, and I think this, the way the offensive line is like constructed in terms of the player on players on the roster, I think it's a B quality offensive line. And I'll explain why uh, you got Taylor one who's great. And then, You've got four other players who are good offensive linemen in Dennis Kelly, Jack Conklin, Corey Levin, and uh, Ben Jones. And I think the way you need to move them is what needs to be discussed. And like you, I think I think you're right, Luke. I think they really need to look at finding a way to get Dennis Kelly on the field. I think he's six seven, and I think that makes him too big to be a guard, at least like functionally speaking. So I think. The way they need to approach this is they need to say, look, he's he's one of our five best linemen, if not one of our three best linemen. So he's got to play somewhere. If he starts at right tackle, Conklin can start at either guard spot and be fine. So then the way that that makes the most sense is you play him at right guard, and then you go back to the Corey Levin, Ben Jones thing that they did against the Jaguars, I think, uh, when Spain got hurt. And you construct the offensive line like that. And I think that offensive line is really good. I think you're instantly much better at right guard. You're probably better than you were last year and slightly worse than Conklin at his peak and during his rookie year at right tackle uh, when you put Dennis Kelly there. Then Lawan's always great when he's healthy. And you get the best version of Levin and Jones, which is Levin at center and Jones at left guard, which looked good last year in practice against one of the harder defensive fronts in football. So I think as they're constructed now, they're probably like a C minus. But if you make those changes, I think you have the personnel to be like a B quality offensive line. Moving on to uh, the other side of the ball, let's start with defensive front and what I mean by that is 
anyone who's going to be rushing the passer on most snaps. So edge guys and inside guys. This is another one where it's very complicated to evaluate. I, yeah, it, it, it's it's more so complicated because the defensive line was was really bad for most mm-hmm. of the year. Daquan Jones and Austin Johnson just I don't decide. They don't they don't really do anything. Bad. Uh, Jones Jones being more um, more disappointing just because we gave him that extension and he really didn't show up until maybe week seventeen when we really needed him uh, because Casey was out. Uh, Benny Logan was fine, but I, I don't think we're going to resign him. Uh, those tackles are kind of, I don't know, they're, they're not all that important in the NFL anymore. Um, uh, Casey's still good. He's still he's still a Pro Bowl type of player. Uh, but defensive line is is like it might be the the number one need uh, on our team right now. Uh, it, it, in terms of like we we just don't really have depth at the position either. We don't really have. Outside of Casey, we don't have an impact guy on that line, and we also don't have a lot of depth on that line um, in addition. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely concerned there. Uh, as for the edge rushers, uh, this is probably probably the second the second biggest need, uh, although receiver is probably uh, in between. there. It's really uh, D-line, edge, and wide receiver seem to be the three biggest needs, uh, probably followed by O-line. Um, but the edge rushers, with Arakpo retiring, uh, we're looking a little thin because uh, Finch is good. Uh, I'm not sure if he's starter material yet, um, he, but he'd be a really good three, th- third or fourth pass rusher. Uh, Harold Landry's a starter, no doubt about it. He had a really good rookie season, um, easily our most impactful edge rusher, um, especially with Arakpo um, and Morgan both really having down seasons. Um, uh, Morgan is a, is a free agent, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them bringing him back. Honestly, I thought they were going to bring back either Rackpo or Morgan, um, but Morgan really struggled, and he really struggled struggled to to stay healthy as well. Um, and even when he was in there, he wasn't he wasn't making much of an impact um, outside of maybe run defense. Uh, but too many times he was getting he was getting caught out of, out of position when he was forced into coverage. Um, or on end around or, or quarterbacks um, getting outside of him, he just looked really slow for much of the season and didn't bring didn't bring a lot to the pass rush. Uh, Finch is good, Landry's good, Kamale Correa. I I don't know. He, he's not really. He doesn't make much of an impact. Um, but I guess as long if he's your fourth or maybe fifth edge rusher, that's fine. But this is definitely an area that the Titans have to attack. Um, if we're grading um, the D line and uh, and the and the edge rushers, I'd probably have to give it like a, a C. Yeah, this is like this is kind of like wide receiver and tight end. It's like there's definitely some good and some bad. So without kind of repeating too much of the same stuff, uh, Casey's good. Uh, Landry is very good. I think I think Landry is the best player of all these guys. When you look at like what he can be and what he actively is week in and week out. Uh, Sharif Finch is good. I, I'm, I agree with you. I don't think he's ready to be a starter, but I think like 
if he takes kind of one more step, he's there. I mean, he was super versatile. They played him at off the ball linebacker sometimes, and he like covered, which was crazy. And he did fine at that. He was good versus the run and good versus you know when he, they let him pass rush. He did a little bit of everything, and he did it pretty well. So, uh, you know, I, I was I was really a lot more impressed with him than I thought I was going to be. I, I thought he would be kind of a bottom of the roster guy, but I mean, I think he's firmly in position to get a lot of snaps next year uh they just they need more it, those guys are all good and maybe it's a fact that brian rackpo and Derek morgan played so many snaps that harold landry and uh sheree finch didn't get to show off more but on the edges they need one they need another big punch Pro- probably another guy to start and then have finch come off the bench uh and Defensive line is god-awful. Casey, Casey is good, but a three-technique who gets double-teamed all the time because nobody respects anybody else in the offensive line or a defensive line is is not worth a lot. I mean, they're, they're bad. They need they, By my count, they've got six guys, if you include Casey, that, that are on the team, and they need to replace five of them. So uh, it's just there's nobody who makes any sort of impact if teams want to run on you, the the Redskins had a mismatch of offensive linemen who are backups and third stringers and guys they just, guys they just picked up. They ran down the Titans' throats with Adrian Peterson, who's I believe fifty eight. So like that shouldn't happen. That does not happen to good defensive lines. Um, and you, and you can talk about and people will say this that Dean Pease likes guys who hold up blockers and set the linebackers up for success, which is kind of true, but I've also watched Baltimore for years, and I don't ever remember that happening to them. And it's not the linebackers' fault that they were getting beat. That, I mean, they were getting defensive linemen in their lap play after play. So, I mean, I think they need a massive overhaul at defensive line. They need one more guy at edge. But if Casey and Harold Landry have a good good day, they could completely ruin another team's offense so i'm gonna give this a c minus just just held up in the c range because of how good landry and you know the eagles game really sticks out to me as a game where when casey is on and just wreaking havoc and harold landry can make one of his huge impact plays where he causes like a fumble i mean they can just destroy a game so just by the skin of their teeth they're c minuses you know I'll give this group a, a, a C even. I'll go C even. C and, even. and, yeah, Let, let's move on to this, the, uh, the, the linebackers inside. Um, obviously, that's such a good group. I don't know that there's much to talk about. I mean, you got Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans, Wesley Woodyard, uh, Darren Bates and then potentially Will Compton if they want to bring him back. I don't know that you do, but that's such a good, versatile, deep group of linebackers. Yeah, I'm going to give this group an A- minus because they were awesome, and they were probably the best part of our defense. Rashawn Evans just completely turned his season around after the first couple of weeks. Um, and really looked like that first round linebacker um, who's really quick to the ball, 
um, can deliver huge hits, um, can also be really efficient as a pass rusher. Um, and he really didn't get exposed in coverage as much as I thought he would because um, we in coming out that was that was his biggest knock, um, and he really didn't struggle all that much um, over the course of his rookie season. So I'm really really excited to see how he does um, uh, this upcoming season. Uh, Jay on Brown, I, I mean, we've showered praise on him um, for <laughs> countless amounts of times, uh, but he was like, he was, he, he was, should have been in the Pro Bowl uh, yeah. and had nearly an, probably an all pro type of season. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think he led the all inside linebackers in sacks. He was always around the ball, had that pick six in the most important game of the season. He was just, he was everywhere. And, and he's doing this as like, a 5'11", 220-pound guy uh, who should not be able uh, to do all of these things all at once. Um, and, and Will has been talking about Jayon Brown needing to be a full-time player since his since his rookie season, like midway through his rookie season. Um, so kudos to Will for, for seeing that um, from the beginning. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I... I I, w- I won't talk about Jayon Brown because he did such a good job, but I'll just say that, I mean, he is the most complete and best linebacker in the AFC South. And if you debate that, you are just incorrect. Um, so I-, I give this group an A minus, just something like TS. It's it's the perfect grade form. They're the defense's version of the tight ends where you have everything you want. Uh, you've got maybe, uh, you know, I said I wasn't going to talk about him, but you've got maybe the most athletic linebacker who can actually come forward and like lay a lick. Like he's just so fun to watch. And Jalen Brown, Rashawn Evans is the perfect kind of combination of savvy and like really hard to get past it, which doesn't sound flashy or anything, but it's like, if he's around you, it doesn't matter whether the whistle's about to be blown or if it was just blown or if, you know, it, he's the only person around you. He is going to hit you. I, I remember writing in a scouting report that, like in big capital letters, that there were no free rides with Rashawn Evans. That there is no play where y'all just kind of like fall to the ground or where he pushes you out of bounds. If you're in bounds, he's going to hit you. If you're in between the tackles, he's going to hit you. If you're Leonard Fournette, he's going to hit you. He does not care about how big you are or you know, what decorum says you're supposed to do or what any other linebacker would do in the NFL, he's going to hit you and he's really hard to get around because he's fast and he can do a lot of things. I mean, I think he had a really bad start to the year and we were all very low on him, but then he finished and looked great. So as long as he takes this momentum forward, that's great. If Wesley Woodyard is your third linebacker, you're in a really good position because he's another guy who, if he's, you know, healthy and feels right and is on. I mean, he can be an impact player. So it's great to have a guy like him either on the bench or as a rotational player. Although I don't know what situation you would take either Rashawn Evans or Jalen Brown off the field for in 2019. It shouldn't happen. Um, Then behind them, you've got Darren Bates and Will Compton, who for a large stretch of the season were some of the best special teams players in leagues. Uh, I mean, they, they did pretty much everything you could ask of them and they did it well. So, you know, you've got everything you could want there. The only reason they're not an A plus is because I know next year that they're going to be better than this. And I want to have a grade to give them then. 
I agree with uh, both of those evaluations. I say probably A- minus as well. Let's close out with the secondary. I'll just go ahead and give them an A without even talking about them. Yeah, there's not much to say. Uh, Malcolm Butler completely rebounded over the over the second half of the season. So kudos to him to to finally getting putting it all together. Uh, along with Adoree and Logan Ryan, it's just a really nice, uh, really nice cornerback group. Uh, definitely don't need to add anyone through the draft. I don't know what these mock drafts are, are doing, to be honest. Especially when Lashawn Sims is your fourth cornerback. I don't, I don't, whatever. I'm not going to get mad about it. And then uh, Ke- Kenny Vaccaro needs to be back because him and Kevin Byard uh, might be the best safety tandem in the entire league. Uh, they played like it last season, uh, and I definitely want to uh, see them back under this Dean Pease and Mike Rabel defense for another year. Yeah, and Cyprian's good too. Like the thing is, is you could have three good starting caliber corner, like at a minimum. Like Logan Ryan is one of the most underrated corners in the NFL. Like he was great last season. We've talked him up. He was outstanding, and they clearly missed him when he wasn't there. Um, Adoree Jackson you know had did everything from shadow people to play band to play you know sides of the field to blitzing to you know he's he's a great up-and-coming corner that doesn't get enough credit um malcolm butler you know rebounded really nice i mean the pitchforks were out and all the credit in the world of the coaching staff to put him you know find the worst player on the field and put him on the on him and let him just kind of get his confidence back because it really worked and then like we said, you've got three of maybe the top, what, 20, 25 safeties in the NFL. I mean, especially if you use them correctly. So, yeah, this is definitely like an A or potentially even an A-plus if they bring back Vaccaro and keep everybody. But, I mean, even the, their bottom of the roster guys are good. You know, we talked about Sims being a good backup, but Kenneth Durden, uh, I mean, he played, I think, in one or two preseason games, and he looked really good. And, you know, did well enough. And then... Uh, Ty Smith is also yeah. coming back. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is Ty Smith, like, people forget that Ty Smith was really, like, a solid corner. Like, Ty Smith would be the third corner on other teams. And people forget because he got injured in the preseason. But, like, they've got... I mean, this seems like the spot on the roster where they're going to trade somebody in the preseason for, like, a sixth or seventh round pick because they're so deep there. And it'll just be credit to Robinson and, you know, I'm sure it won't get talked about or anything like that. But I mean, if they all stay healthy, there's not enough roster spots for them and somebody's going to get, have to get moved and probably for a late round pick. Cause they probably just won't have to cut them with the, you know, depth issues at cornerback in the league. But this is completely different than the corner. And I guess the whole defensive back group that John Robinson was around when he took over, like all the credit in the world to him, because this is a great group. And don't forget about Kevin Byard, too. I'm sure. Yeah. Wanna, yeah. Um, yeah. As we kind of close out, I'll, I'll say this. When we went through this roster, there were a lot of C's. And what that tells me is that there's perhaps more work to do this offseason than any before for John Robinson. And I'll close out this discussion by posing this question. Should the Titans consider trading down to acquire more picks and therefore more players? I think so, yes. As long as they feel good uh, about the depth of this draft class. Uh, and I think they should. They should. I, I see a lot of good players that you can get 
uh, especially in the second round in this draft, um, and particularly at the wide receiver position. Um, so I, I would I, I would feel better if they do move down, acquire a couple more picks, um, and just get those those depth pieces that could turn into into something more in the future. The way I kind of look at this is, do you think the Titans have enough impact players to where they can afford to trade down? Because when you trade down, essentially, to me, you're saying, we just have to patch a few holes and we'll be a championship-slash-playoff caliber roster instead of, we need a big impact player to help push us over the edge. So I don't know. I mean... This draft feels like it's going to set up perfectly to where there's going to be one of those first-round graded edge defensive lineman guys to really help push this defense from good to great next year at 19. So I would be really cautious to do it. But, you know, with the depth, it is hard to argue with the depth The positions like tight ends in the front seven. Like, there is a lot of good players that are going to be available on day two. It's... I mean, I wouldn't trade down. I would almost rather trade up than stay or trade down. But, I mean, it's John Robinson, so he's definitely going to make some kind of move at some point. Mm -hmm. As we close, uh, as I kind of teased in the beginning, who are you most excited about watching this weekend in the Senior Bowl? And I'll start. I mentioned it to you guys before the show not really related to the Titans necessarily, but I'm interested in watching these quarterbacks because for the first time that I can remember, the Senior Bowl is featuring a lot of well-known fringe quarterbacks that with a good performance and impressive interviews and then carrying that over to the Combine could put themselves in the first round. A guy like a Will Greer, a Jared Stidham, a Drew Locke. Those guys could be the... This is a bad comparison because it's not someone I like, but the Deshaun Kaiser guy who everyone just kind of falls in love with because of the the pre-draft process. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how those guys fall. Um, I'm kind of intrigued by some of the edges, uh, particularly uh, a couple of guys that, uh, that that have gotten a good amount of hype. Um, uh, since the draft season started, uh, Montez Sweat from Mississippi State, um, and then this guy from Old Dominion, I don't know how to say his name, Oshane uh, Jimenez? I don't know. I don't know. There's an X in there. It's a really weird name. <laughs> yeah, but I saw a couple clips of him, and he was killing, he was killing some O-line. Uh, I haven't watched either in depth yet, um, but I bet the Titans are probably going to focus in on, on those two guys. Uh, with with their scouting department this uh, this week. So you, you kind of took mine because I wanted to use Montez Sweat because I really like him and I think I like him more than most. Um, but another guy I want to watch is Bradbury, the center from North Carolina State. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, I think, is his full name. He's really fast. He's kind of like uh, people describe him like uh, Jason Kelsey where he's really fast. He's one of the few centers that you would want to actually pull. I mean, he's perfect for his own blocking scheme. He gets up to the second level. The question with him is, is he a top 60 guy or is he a top 40 guy or where does he go? And I don't know that there's any defensive tackles or linebackers that he can really show up against this week, but 
it, it's one of those things where this feels like if they're going to spend a high pick on a first round or a first or second round offensive lineman, like it seems like they're going to spend a second round pick on him just because he's so perfect for this scheme and he gives you so much that Ben Jones just doesn't have in the way of like speed and being able to reach and get to the second level so smoothly. There are a lot of guys, uh, offensive linemen in this game who might entice the Titans. Um, I know you like Eric McCoy from Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, also, Chris Lindstrom from Boston College and Risner from Kansas State. Um, I, I haven't watched them, but they're guys that have drawn a lot of buzz and, and could be there in the second and third rounds uh, for the Titans to maybe get some value. Yeah. That's going to do it for us. We will be back after the scouting combine. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about free agency, and uh, that'll really get us uh, into full off-season mode. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. For Will and Matias, I'm Luke. Uh, we'll talk to everybody in February. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.